gentlemen, welcome to this week's Red Voices. Thanks very much for stopping by. Plenty to talk about regarding Manchester United this week, so let's get going. Uh, first half of this week's episode is myself and Rich discussing the FA Cup victory over Derby County, along with a couple of the transfer targets. Second half is me and James discussing the Monday night win over Stoke City and the rather large spectre of an impending deal potentially, or stress potentially, for Hamid Mkhitaryan and Alexis Sanchez. So let's get down to it. Uh, Rich, how are tricks? Hello, I'm not too bad. How are you? Pretty tidy. Can't complain too much. Uh, still thoroughly relieved that living and working as I do in Derby, that we didn't end up getting dragged into either A or replay or B, some sort of terrible situation where we managed to get ourselves knocked out of the FA Cup at the first hurdle last Friday night. We, we tried by missing lots and lots of shots, didn't we, before the man of the moment saved us with another wonder strike. We definitely did a very good job of making it seem like we were not going to win that match for the best part of, gosh, how long was it? Yep, there it was, 84 minutes. This, there's this thing that we've, we had last season as well, but it, it's obviously not quite as prevalent this season, but it always feels like it's very, very difficult to get the first goal at home. Like the, it's, it's kind of like a, this terrible struggle that we have to overcome to get, get over this hurdle of the first goal after which we, we relax a bit and actually start to play decent football. And I think that was very much the case. Lots and lots of shots, lots and lots of grumbling. And misses and posts and bars and all sorts and then until until Lingard did something cool and we could all relax and then we scored another one. Hmm. Yeah, that twenty eight shots in total, ten of which were on target. So yeah, Scott Carson definitely has some work to do on last Friday night. Well, wonderful saves from uh, free kicks from Pogba and Mata, both of which were very much definitely heading in. Very lucky and indebted to the woodwork uh, for, uh, for stopping Rashford's first half header. And an excellent save to get down. Oh, Oshie Alderman, did he get down low for that second shot, that rasping one? No, I just hit the post, didn't it? Rashford hit the, post, the post twice. Shot. Yeah, gosh, bless him. Rashford had something of a complicated night, didn't he? It, it seemed like one of those nights where it just wasn't going to drop for him. And you and I have both said this before, and this is, again, not necessarily original thought, but how many opportunities did he actually have to shoot and not take them? But then I guess you contrast that with how well he actually created the space and took the shot for the second shot that hit the post because it was a remarkable piece of skill and a really lovely chance. It absolutely deserved a goal. And you can see that, as he did against Everton, he is still working very, very hard. I guess he's almost in his head to a certain extent and that's not necessarily helping him at the moment. You know, He's not had a goal for a little while and things are becoming a little bit too complicated. And once he gets it, I'm pretty confident that he'll get back to the, the same sort of clinical predatory player that we've seen for you know good grief almost the last two years what a wonderful time we've had with him but yeah uh, a slightly awkward evening we really didn't seem to want to get that first goal did we no i think it didn't didn't help that two of the front four were rashford and mkhitaryan mkhitaryan's unfortunately playing some of the worst football i've ever seen by a player in the united shirt you know there's a really 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 good footballer in there but for whatever reason he just seems to bottle just seems to have completely gone I don't know if the, the move to United has just been too big for him but he's just completely shriveled up and died and with Rashford really struggling for for various reasons you know he's become a bit of a, a conundrum because clearly I think his confidence is quite low in front of goal but it just we've talked about this before but he seems to have stopped doing the things that he burst into the the limelight doing which was basically being incredibly direct and you know, being being scoring goals, being around the six yard six yard box, the eighteen yard box, and and finishing things off. And instead, he's become a much more complicated player. He he tries to beat players twice, and he seems to do the hard bit really well, and then the easy bit badly. And as we, you know, we've said he, he 
he's not shooting as sharply as he was, and that I mean that's probably a, clearly a confidence issue, I think. But he just it seems to be complicating everything he does. And it's interesting, Mourinho said after the game, you know, essentially he wanted to sub somebody, and neither Mkhitaryan or Rashford were going to possibly score that night. But and he just took the took the option of Mkhitaryan just because it made more sense positionally. Oh, I mean, it made more sense on a number of levels. He did not have another very good game, did he? No, he didn't. He struggled really badly. But, I mean, fortunately, we've got another player in Lingard who is just doing things which are ridiculous. I guess, you know, you look at the way in which Rashford is applying himself at the moment. And, again, I don't really think there's a massive problem with that whatsoever. I'm not really worried about him. I just think he's in a moment where he's just lost a little bit of confidence in himself and his sharpness in front of goal and that's indicative in the way that he's playing and in in most in the most part the way he's shooting and that is really quite wonderfully contrasted by what Jesse Lingard is doing on the pitch for United at the minute where he's just absolutely bursting with confidence isn't he you know the way that he is approaching his game at the moment is remarkable now that goal was absolutely ridiculous the space there wasn't necessarily particularly big he's taken what one touch and absolutely bloody lashed it beyond Carson. Carson was having a very, very good evening's work. You know, he'd been saved by the Woodwork a couple of times, but nothing had gotten past him. You know, Derby were defending well. They were organised. Yeah, we made chances. And yeah, yeah, Pogba should definitely have op- uh, broken the deadlock with that open goal earlier on. Obviously, it came out quickly. Yeah. I don't think he quite had the time to set. But yeah, that should have gone in for sure. But to break the deadlock like that in a ma- in a match that United were really struggling and you know a replay wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world but definitely unnecessary considering that you know this was not a game that I don't think realistically United were expecting to draw to break the deadlock in that manner was just absolutely ridiculous it was such a wonderful goal and it's just indicative of this player and the way that he is approaching his work at the minute it's joyful absolutely wonderful you know he is as I said, absolutely bursting with confidence and you fancy him wherever on the pitch at the minute to hit the target. Another wonderful goal to add to his brimming repertoire, wasn't it? It was. I think the thing with Lingard is that he's always scored the bangers, hasn't he? Not in large numbers, but he's always he's always scored some special goals. But he's not scored the easy ones so much. You know, It's always been the thing that if he has too much time to think, he misses. What's changed is that now that he's playing that position behind the or in their pocket behind the striker. He's actually getting in position to take those shots more often, which he hasn't necessarily really had before. We've we, we talked about, about his movement, and he's very good at finding spaces wherever he is on the pitch, but he's, he's primarily played in wide areas where he has half the space and you don't have the same shooting opportunities as you do in the middle. And I think clearly by part by, by hard work and coaching, but also by accident, in that Mourinho gave up on Mkhitaryan and he didn't really have another option in there than to try... Lingard and and it's just worked at the perfect time and and he's really found his place in the team which he's never had before and you know we've we've criticised Lingard before and neither of us were his biggest fan Um, and I don't I mean you keep using that sentence I never said I wasn't his biggest fan I just want that on record okay are you his biggest fan Ewan yes you are okay cool I I don't think anybody would have said that he was going to explode as he has but but you have to give him enormous credit for finding a role that he's lifting the level he's been playing at by 75 percent and suddenly we have a player where really had one who seemed to be without a defined purpose in the squad other than just to be there Mm. so you know if you think till maybe go back three months the idea that that Lingard would be one of the most important players in the team and Henrik Mkhitaryan would be 
an absolute joke. We would all be happy if we offloaded in January. That I think people would look to you as if you're slightly mad. But that's where we are. So, I mean, all power to Jesse. To Messi. Yeah, Messi then God, absolutely. I mean, you know, without my tongue being firmly welded into my cheek, did I see this happening? No, I did not. Am I happy it's happening? Absolutely. I mean, it's wonderful. Yeah, it you know, it's a, Isn't it fantastic, though, just to see... This is it's very operative language because it's very easy to sort of discard United's young players when they don't really perform. And there's definitely been plenty of instances where people have criticised Jesse for not being at the level that the likes of Martial and Lingard are, right? To have approached the situation, as you mentioned there, where he's deposed Mkhitaryan, he's really made Mourinho pick him, essentially. He has forced his manager's hand and chucked himself into the starting 11 equation on a consistent basis is a really impressive turnaround from where he was over the last couple of seasons. And that's not to say he was in a bad situation. He certainly wasn't. But you wouldn't have relied upon him to be the person to dig us out of holes like we were in against Burnley and to break the deadlock against Derby and then to have added the gloss with another wonderful goal against Everton just a week previously. He's now hit a level that we haven't seen from him on a consistent basis and it's incredibly enjoyable, as I said. You know, joyful is the best word to describe it because he just plays the game with such a great spirit and you know, long may it continue and... I'm happy to eat my words on that one. I didn't genuinely think it was going to happen. I'll, I'll say that honestly. And it is wonderful to watch. Thoroughly enjoyable. But yeah, I mean, Rich, we weren't on TV, even though pretty much all of us watched it, I'm assuming, on some sort of totally legal means against Derby. We're back on the television again. It's going to be a Friday night in Yeovil. We are, and that, that will infuriate the entire football world, apart from United fans. Well, I think United fans are going to be quite ticked off for the fact they've got to travel all the way down to f***ing Yeovil on a Friday night, to be fair. Well, that, <laughs> that, that is true. But for the, for the armchair fan, um, we'll be pleased. With, and there's a lot of gnashing as well that we've drawn the lowest ranked team left in the tournament. But I, I have to be honest, I'd rather be playing, I'd rather be playing a Championship or League One team at home on a Saturday afternoon than, a, than you know, than a League One team on their own pitch on a Friday night. You know, it's it's a game we should be winning, but it's what the FA Cup's all about, isn't it? It's, it's kind of sad. We ha- I think we had that run where we played, we drew 11 Premier League teams in a row in the in the FA Cup over a couple of years. And that's not what it's really about, is it? You, you know, you expect that when you get towards the, the later rounds, but it's it's quite cool to, you know, to have these games against, away against relatively low-ranked teams. And on this occasion, we can all hope that someone puts in a better performance than Radamel Falcao did last time we were there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I miss Radamel Falcao though. I know. He's a lovely, lovely man. He was a lovely, lovely man and, and, and once again a wonderful footballer, but, but I think that was the, that was the night when I remember looking and thinking this guy's not even standing out against the League One team. This is the game where hopefully we'll see Ander Herrera scoring with a blockbuster again. Absolutely. Still his best goal for United, if from my recollection. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he shoots loads and he's absolutely terrible at it, but um, <laughs> that, that was. That that was one that did waz waz right in the cor- top corner. So fingers crossed for a repeat. Didn't it just? I'm oh, moving on from that anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we do have Stoke on Monday, but there's not too much to say about that other than the fact that Stoke decided to get rid of Mark Hughes uh, last weekend, having got knocked out of the FA Cup by what was it? League One Coventry, which meant that because there was no League replay, two, League Two Coventry, uh, League Two. Flipping out! I didn't realise they were that yeah. way down. Blimey. Um, League Two Coventry then, and meaning that uh, United got to go away for their all-expenses-paid training trip to Dubai, which they all seem to be very much enjoying slash enjoyed. 
I guess it must be really nice to have a nice warm weather break at this stage, you know, considering that, shockingly enough, Manchester be wet. What are you going to do? But yeah, um, more surprising than anything else this week has been that United seem to be taking the piss when it comes to the transfer market, Rich. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll start off with the weakest of the rumours that we've heard so far this week, which has been sort of seemingly from the machinations of the French press, which you presume are essentially Lucas Moura's representatives trying to drum up some interest because it's clear that they're very keen for him to get a move to a Premier League club. And I guess we've been considered the fall club in this instance. What do you make of it? It's very difficult because United are the go-to team of any agent who wants to get his player hawked around or get them deal or get them to another club or whatever. When you see a link with a player like Mora, who obviously we wanted to sign, what was it, three or four years ago. But he went to PSG, where he's just not really kicked on at all, to the to the point where he's hardly played a game of football this season, although I appreciate they've spent an enormous amount of money, but he he hasn't really established himself there at all, even even prior to the, the, you know, the ridiculous last summer they've had. So it would be slightly strange. I mean, we certainly need a player on the on the right-hand side. He's, he's, the winger is just head, he's head down. He's, his crossing's not great, he's inconsistent. You know, there might there may well still be some talent there. But maybe maybe I'm completely wrong because frankly anything can happen in the transfer window and I wouldn't be surprised by anything. But it just it feels like a a little plant. Let's let's suggest that United are interested in him and and hopefully get him moved somewhere else. But it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because the problem we've had and that we continue to have is that aside from maybe five or six key players, we have a squad of squad players. And we have also have a squad of a lot of squad players earning quite a lot of money who we've got stuck on relatively long contracts that make it very difficult to get rid of them. Mm. And it it doesn't make unless we're on a limited budget. I mean that's the that's the other the other issue. You know, do we have a limit and Mourinho thinks that he can't get the quality in all the areas he needs for the money he's got, whether that be just for this window or the next two windows. And so he has to take a risk on a player who he thinks is potentially talented but just hasn't found it yet. You just have the concern that, you know, ultimately he's going to come on a pretty high salary unless it's a loan. You know, a loan I can't see an issue with, but if he actually signs, it's going to be a three or four year deal on a pretty high salary. And if he doesn't kick on, we're just stuck with another guy who we're going to have to give away for, for buttons to get rid of him and, and, and reduce the squad. So, but I'm in particularly cynical mood about the transfer window at the moment. It, just, <laughs> it, it, feel, it, it, feels, it feels rather cynical to me, but, but, but Perhaps I'll be I'll be proven wrong. Sure, I mean there are some benefits to it. You know, he hasn't played a minute in Europe this season, so we're cup tied for the Champions League. And considering that, that should be a priority for United this season. You know, I'm not necessarily saying it's a realistic goal, but that should be something that, considering that the league has gone, I reckon we should be chucking as many eggs as we can into our you know football shaped basket, right? So that's a benefit. And the price wouldn't be too much. And alone, obviously, as you said, there would be low risk. But there's a reason that you wouldn't necessarily get a massive asking price for Lucas Moura because he's been at PSG for, what, five seasons? It was 2012. I remember seeing him in the Olympics uh, when the SNKs over at Old Trafford when Brazil were playing up there. And, you know, there was a big buzz around him at that point and he chose PSG quite late on. And, you know, you wouldn't necessarily say that he's turned due into a mercurial talent in those five years there. And this is in what would be considered a much less difficult league than the likes of you know the Bundesliga or the Premier League or La Liga and if he hasn't been able to make a mark in France then what's to say he's really going to be able to take the step up to United when at this stage in his mid-20s you would argue that he's either close to the prime of his career or necessarily in it so again a risky one 
you know, I'm not necessarily saying I'm against it, but as you said there, I'm not necessarily sure United are the ones driving this narrative. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Uh, quick note on a uh, Christian Pulisic because United are apparently monitoring his presence for the summer. That'd be an interesting one. And, you know, another attacker from Borussia Dortmund. You know, what could possibly go wrong? We've got such a great record of attackers from Borussia Dortmund. I mean, if there is any way of maybe transferring over Mkhitaryan, if Mkhitaryan is going to stay in this vein of form for the next four or five months, I would be all over that. And uh, Miguel Delaney's report in The Independent today, I don't know if you read it, was talking about the commercial benefits of uh, bringing over Pulisic, who's obviously a massive star in America. So, you know, Woodward's probably licking his lips at that, those possibilities. And yeah, I mean, I think that would be our first, our, one of our, that must be easily the biggest American player we've ever played, surely, apart from Tim Howard. Well, since Tim Howard, surely. Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably the most talented. It's, it's pretty sad that we have to, we have to talk about signings potentially happening because, because of their commercial value. Well, yeah, I get that. But I think with Woodward in particular, you do have to kind of take into consideration that whilst we don't necessarily yeah. agree with it, you've also got to try and take into consideration how Ed Woodward thinks. Well, for better and worse. I, I think, unfortunately, how Ed Woodward thinks is one of the one of the key problems with, with the post-Fergie period. But there you go. But, I mean, you know, this, this, is, this is a deal that perhaps it might be one that suits both, that ticks both boxes because he is probably going to be he has the talent to be the first great American football player and he fits, he ticks a box for United as well in, in terms of on the pitch, you know, we need a wide player. He's so technically gifted, he's, his dribbling's wonderful, he's got a low centre of balance, he's, he's just a really, really nice player to watch and he's at a really good age where he's still a relatively blank canvas. Whereas I think perhaps one of the issues we've had with both Kagawa and Mkhitaryan is they've come, they've come to United in their sort of mid to late twenties, I think Kagawa's twenty four and Mikitarim is twenty seven, twenty eight, and they've been playing for a few years in that particular dormant system, which was really sort of very high intensity pressing and quick counter attacking. And they came and were slotted, been slotted into a system which doesn't necessarily work like that. Mm. For Mikitarim, Mourinho's teams, Mourinho's United team certainly tend to sit a lot deeper, let the opposition have the ball, and try and break from from positions deeper in, in the pitch whereas Dortmund's Dortmund's thing was always to 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 try and win the ball high up the pitch in dangerous areas and then and then pounce and so I, I think they both struggle to fit in whereas Pulisic he's a lot he's a lot younger he's a lot I, I think he's still more more malleable I think he, he'd be more adaptable than they were um, and I think he's he's generally got more more strings to his bow I think he's a, I think he's a more talented footballer even if he's not nowhere near the level that he can potentially reach mm. so that I means that, that one that one looks like a deal that if united were to try and do it would make a lot of sense in the summer i mean the question would be just how much it would cost us i mean dortmund certainly don't give players away cheap given the other positions we need to fill and the the need for a, particularly for a, i'd say a central midfielder it's just a case of how much money we've actually got and and whether we can afford to to invest in two pretty heavy transfers <laughs> James, a pleasure to have you back on the pods, uh, and also a pleasure because we've got some really interesting stuff to talk about this evening. Number one, we want a game, and number two, it seems like we're actually buying a very good player. So, uh, pretty happy days all around, but let's get a bit more personal. How are you first? I'm very well, yeah. All um, all good after last night's uh, excellent performance, so yeah, all, all going well and looking forward to the weekend. Yeah. Have you recovered from the shock of seeing Antonio Valencia score a, not just a goal, an absolute thunder bastard with his left foot. 
the left foot that we assumed was just never going to be good for literally anything apart from maybe standing on every now and then. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I was blown away by it. I'm, I, people say that Mourinho doesn't improve players, but he's clearly improved uh, Valencia's left foot. He's managed to turn it into an absolute, uh, yeah, foot-like attraction engine type uh, yeah. shot that was. It, uh, the minute it left his foot, it was arrowing into that corner. So, um, yeah, I was amazed. It was um, as good as anything he's done with his right foot. So now he's that really gives him a, another dimension because he's pretty hopeless with his left foot before. So, yeah, looking forward to the next left foot uh, sort of thunder bastard going flying in. Yeah, the next hour, sir. I mean, good grief. Mourinho's definitely improved him. He's got a left foot now. That's 100% more feet than he had before. <laughs> very impressive. But yeah, um, a wonderful start to the game and three very well-worked goals. The first two are absolute beauties, but a mostly a pretty straightforward 3-0 one over Stoke with a couple of flashes and a couple of signs for worry defensively, though, especially against Stoke, as uh, has been noted constantly last night on the commentary. Stoke with one of the worst defensive records in Premier League history at this point in the season. And that certainly showed on a couple of occasions, but we also looked less than certain with that back four last night, didn't we? Yeah, there was something about it that didn't quite um, yeah, look as secure as it should have been. Like you say, Stoke aren't... Um, well probably in the worst form of any team in the Premier League. And at certain points of the first half, we've made them look, you know, almost sort of peak Manchester City at some points. They were sort of striding through the middle. And I think it, a lot of it comes down to, you know, the Pogba-Matic two-man midfield doesn't really work, as we've seen before. Certainly in the bigger games, it would be a struggle. And in the even against the weaker teams, as it showed, um, it's not the best at sort of certainly from a defensive point of view. So it is a bit of a worry. I thought Jones and Smalling actually were okay you know they certainly tightened up in the second half they did okay but the protection really wasn't there and I think what we want is the going back to the three-man midfield we saw against Everton uh, I can't understand why he didn't do it last night because Stoke shouldn't really cause us any any issues but certainly in the games going forward you'd expect the, the three-man midfield to be back and hence why he'll probably bring Herrera back in maybe for the weekend and for most of the big games I would have thought and why he'll probably look for an upgrade on that in the in the summer I would say. Yeah I'd agree with that I think as you mentioned there, the Pogba-Matic axis can work out quite well in these sort of games against a so-called quote-unquote lesser opponent. And you know, no respect to Stoke, but they've had a pretty rotten season so far, so United should be expecting to win that game handsomely with the attacking players that we've got. But in that first half in particular, when our attacks broke down, as they frequently did in that first half hour and we lost the ball, we really struggled to get it back. You know, Matic was chasing players down, but you know, he's never going to have enough pace to do that. And because Pogba was often far up the pitch, he wasn't necessarily busting a get to get back. And that's not a criticism, you know, against this sort of level of opponent. You're not expecting Pogba to, you know, go absolutely crazy and trap back at every required opportunity. But it does leave the back four and Matic a little bit exposed when we do have such an analysis on attacking, if possession breaks down, if we don't get it back quickly. And, you know, Stephen Ireland with two chances within that first half, to slide home and perhaps we're indebted to the fact that he hasn't played a game in ages I mean there would have been a certain element of Sheldon fraud had he actually got a goal his, his on his first start back in years was it something like that an ex-city player comes on and scores at Old Trafford I'm not sure I could have handled that no absolutely I mean I generally genuinely didn't realize he was still a playing football and certainly playing Premier League for Stoke and um, when his name came up on the team sheet you wondered I didn't even know who he was and then you suddenly realized it's this some. Um, yeah, the bald fella from um, who used to play for City, but he's so bald, so bald. He is as 
but I mean he's he's always had something about him that he's he could never stay fit. That's obviously his problem. But to allow him that space and thankfully that um, he sort of squandered the two chances, but it seemed to sort of sort itself out after half time. And after that, it was just I think they only really had one chance in the second half, which they should, obviously Juve should have scored for the two chances he had, which was pretty much sums up his. Um, ability and career that he's a bit hit and miss and he thank Ooh. thankfully the two times he um he shot he missed so yeah it was um it was a bit worrying to see that sort of thing but it is typical united sort of first half home performance perhaps to allow those chances and we haven't been punished apart from perhaps the city game obviously a completely different game but um we haven't really been punished at, at home by the these lesser teams where we give them chances but it's only a matter of time um before we are if we don't tighten up which brings us back to three in midfield and we look a lot more solid yeah I concur I mean I think there was another chance not long before Martial made it too which was uh, Chupa Moting who gave us some real problems when we played uh, back at the start of the season at uh, the bet 365 and you know it's Peter Crouch out jumping De Gea De Gea not getting anywhere near it and what was it is it Phil Jones with an excellent block to just make sure it diverted because that was going in make no mistake so that was a really good an excellent piece of defending from Phil Jones and there were several moments like that last night he looked the more composed of uh, him and Chris Smalling although to be fair Chris Smalling's night will have very remembered for that aforementioned chief chance where he fell over and took Luke Shaw down with him <laughs> that, yeah it, that was quite amusing because only only Smalling could have done that and unless it had been him taking out Jones and flattening them both and putting them both injured out for the rest of the season or something but um, it, yeah, it was quite amusing. I'm surprised Shaw actually got up from that because you'd expect him to be sort of um, injured, um, having Smalling land on him. But um, no, it was um, all's well that ends well, as they say. But yeah, it was. It's like I say, the defensive shortcomings are there still, but you feel that you know we were just sort of too strong for them. Um, in the end, it was always going to be a, a comfortable victory after after Valencia's goal, I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess one of the things that you could say about United over the last couple of months is that a two-goal lead hasn't necessarily seemed so solid. But last night, it never really felt in any danger after Martial scored, did it? No, you didn't really get that. I think once the, the second goal went in, that was the that was the comfortable one. And then the second half was pretty much all one-way traffic. And it was just waiting for that third goal to go in when, you know, then the, the after substitutions could could come on and, and just sort of slow things down. And the last 20 minutes were pretty much sort of sort of testimonial level passing and tricks and flicks and this sort of thing and you had the feeling that we could have scored more or perhaps should have scored more in that last 15 minutes but that you know there wasn't a massive overexertion and um, that was good that we can have those sort of comfortable games and just see the clock out and bring Fellaini on and give him a few minutes to keep him happy and McTominay <laughs> and, and these sort of players and contract rebel marijuana Fellaini yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> him being brought on was sort of you know he's sort of Stoke's level, so I wondered if he was put it, putting him in the shop window for Stoke to buy him in the summer. But um, yeah, we'll see how he um, how he goes. Dear oh dear, but yeah, it was. Um, my eyes are glazing over just thinking about that Martial goal. To be honest, I mean he has scored pretty much that exact same goal before twice. I think against Stoke in, as well. I think yeah, exactly. Yeah, at the same end of the pitch at the old East End. Yeah. So I mean, but arguably, just for the finish, I would say this might be the best one just because of the distance that the ball had to travel. And he hit it so sweetly. It's such a perfect strike of the ball. Excellently worked by Pogba. You know, he saw that nothing was really on in the box. Took another quick look up, saw Martial was in acres of space and just teed it up perfectly. And Martial could just jog onto that and stroke it home fantastically. What a goal. Yeah, it was fantastic. It's all about, I think, the first half. 
was certainly all about Pogba, wasn't it? With the amount of sort of crossfield balls, he was pinging left, right, all over the place, just literally to the man um, he intended it to go to, and that just you know the person receiving the ball didn't have to break stride. It was just an absolute sort of masterclass and just showed that we've got to build the team around him so therefore you give the base of two players behind him to do all his d- defensive work just to free him up because the guy will win games for us with his with his creativity with his movement it's just his strength just his presence in midfield is just immense and that was you know he basically ran that show and um, it just shows with all these assists he's getting in I think he can definitely score more uh, I think that'll come in if he stays fit and not suspended for silly tackles. Then he'll he'll get loads of assists, loads of goals, and yeah, be the driving force behind you know where we finish, which really in the league should be second, um, and maybe take us into the latter stages of the Champions League at a at a push. But without him, I think then we're we're sort of you know we'd be happy to get top four, and I'm not sure how far we'd progress in the Champions League, but. Yeah, absolute masterclass. And yeah, Martial's finish was just fantastic. First time right into the corner. Like I say, he's done it before, but um, it's still a very hard skill to hit the ball like that. And yeah, spot on and good to see Martial scoring and celebrating and happy and um, just contributing so regularly now. And that's really good to see from being in a bit in and out last season. He sort of seems to be the main man on the left-hand side. So really good. And also nice to see the Kaki get on the score sheet again, 16th of the season. Worked really hard last night and very well as well. You know, he was constantly involved in the build-up in the first half as well. He was often drifting out to the right, which is really nice to see. Did very well on the ball, had some great shots and, you know, held off two players in the penalty area and shot past Butland superbly from close range. I couldn't see how he was going to get that in, but he did really well on that goal, didn't he? Yeah, you're spot on in terms of picking up that um, or highlighting how well he did outside the box he gets a lot of stick for he hasn't got a first touch and he's a bit um, cumbersome sometimes, but that was an all-round striker's performance, I thought. And it was just to, to sort of round it off with a goal was brilliant because that'll do wonders for his confidence, which is probably is, is coming back to, to where it was perhaps last season with, with Everton when he was firing in 25 goals or whatever he, however many he scored. But as you say, his all-round play was excellent. And he really, you know, um, occupied the Stoke defenders, gave them a nightmare and freed up space for others and he just looks like he's coming back into sort of form, got his confidence back. And yeah, really all goes well for the rest of the season. And he's on, what, 17 goals now. You could see at a push, you know, he could probably get to 30 plus, to be honest, if he, because they're going to create chances for him. And, you know, I know we'll talk about it later with Sanchez, but if Sanchez comes in, then that can only help Lukaku because A, he'll create more chances for him, more space and be creative, but it'll also mean he can get the odd rest because I think Sanchez can play in that obviously a different player, but he can play that sort of role as um, up front as, as Lukaku can. So it means he can get a rest in the, perhaps some, some other games because Sanchez wants to play every game. But yeah, going back to Lukaku, it's just, it'll just do him the world of good. And, and his link-up play with, with Pogba, Martial and Lingard and all the others is, is um, yeah just looking really good for the rest of the season. Yeah, many exciting options, which I don't want to talk about too much because I'm really superstitious, but still. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a couple other elements, though. Luke Shaw starting again, having another great game again. You know, he just looks pretty settled in there. And he's, you know, I think the difference between Luke Shaw at the start of the season when he got injured two years ago and Luke Shaw now, I mean, I guess some of that explosiveness because he was such an attacking threat down that left flank at the start of that season. That's not quite there under Mourinho, but I guess to a certain extent, it's not a surprise that it isn't there because Mourinho does demand more from his players in terms of a defensive role. 
but I think he does feel a bit more focused, I think is the word. He's playing, you know, he's, he's in form at the minute, which is great to see. He looks confident. He's not making too many mistakes, if any. And he just looks like he's kind of gotten it again, which is great, you know, to get quote unquote it back considering where he was in the team this season and last season is brilliant you know it's nice that he's I guess it's still too early to say whether or not he's nailed down that left back role for the short to long term future but for right now he's keeping Matteo Darmian and David Blind out of the side and you know Ashley Young has got a bit of a challenge in order to actually get back and get back into the side when you know, when he's actually returned from suspension. And De Gea as well, you know, another couple of great saves from him because that's simply what he does. And yeah, a, a rather straightforward evening and nice, if somewhat insignificant, to get that three points after Liverpool's uh, squeaky bum time victory over City on su- Sunday evening. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And going back to Luke Shaw, I think you that's again spot on because you think a month ago it was seen as the January transfer window was the, the key position to sort out was left back and within a month it looks like Shaw's almost enabled Mourinho to park that idea certainly till the summer and just yeah he's done everything that's that's asked of him both defensively and and offensively and I think he'll he'll improve as he gets more confidence and more games under his belt I think he's now played was it seven in the last nine or something like that and yeah he's he's flying along and it's just really good to see I think it's um Young's back at the weekend I think so it'll be interesting to see if maybe he might well sit out the next game and They'll almost semi-rotate those two. And that, again, is perfect for Young because I don't think he can play every game. And we've got a great alternative. So from a, looking a really weak position, Young's come in and done great. And we've now looks a, a pretty strong position. So it also enables Darmian and Blind maybe to, to move on either in January or the summer. And yeah, just, just really good to see him back. Really good to that you shows that you can turn Mourinho around from a, a position where you don't think he, he favours you. So all credit to him. Which segue <laughs> does not necessarily bode quite the same for a man that was omitted from the squad entirely on Monday night. Uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan, James. Yes, he's um, he looks done, doesn't he? I think um, we could even be speaking now and things could be moving on, I think, with Arsenal. Um, and a, maybe a straight swap for Sanchez, which would be fantastic business, I think, because he's, although he's a t- clearly a very, very good player, I don't think he's making Mourinho particularly happy in what he's done. He's been shown areas of weakness certainly mentally I think he he looks like he's um well perfect for Arsenal shall we say and that he um, doesn't seem particularly um strong at certain points and his head goes down if he misplaces a pass or a poor shot or something like that and the, the I think the crowd has have turned a little bit on him it's been noticeable of the groans and, and moans when he's when he's not played so well so if let's just say the the Sanchez sort of Mkhitaryan swap does go through whether it's a bit of money going Either way, it doesn't really matter, but I think it's um, yeah, it makes sense for him as well to relaunch his career. Ideally, you'd say you wouldn't want him to go to a Premier League, you know, rival, but um, you can't really begrudge him because he's probably thought, you know, he's bit United for ages, and he now is he's now having to think about moving on. But yeah, I think it's it's certainly the right thing. It's a big upgrade if we do bring in Sanchez. Not for sure. I mean, well, just to carry on with Mkhitaryan. It's a, such a weird situation for him. I haven't seen a player start off under under any manager with such an inauspicious couple of months to then come back in and force his way into the side. You know, he got, what, 10, 11 goals last season? Yeah. And he was crucial to our success in the Europa League. He had a really good season in that competition all year long. And 
Again, a really positive start to the season, banging in assists when United were playing some great flea-throwing football. But it's just absolutely fallen off a cliff over the last couple of months. It's incredible to see the decline. And I know that there were a lot of comments from Dortmund in particular talking about his mental application and how he would fare at United. And I'm not happy to say that it's all turned out to be true, but it's just been remarkable and alarming how his confidence and his faith in his ability just seems to have completely receded. And I don't think Mourinho is going to completely lambast him publicly and privately to the point where, you know, Mkhitaryan just has nothing left to give. But I do think there's an issue of application on there that Mourinho can't solve. If he doesn't feel like he can solve it, selling him is the right idea. It's the right situation. It's the only way this is going to get resolved. And at this stage, I don't, I think, to be fair, you know, there's been talk today about Mino Raiola sort of jumping in and trying to get the best deal possible. I think a lot of it is posturing. There is no way that at the moment, even with six months on his contract, Mkhitaryan is of equal value to Sanchez for me. I just don't see it. I think it's an uh, an attempt to try and get the best deal possible for his client, which is fair enough because we know he does that. And I don't ultimately see it being a roadblock into this completely unrealistic and crazy Sanchez deal, which I'm not really that sure is happening, but it apparently is, James. Talk to me, please. Yes, it does look um, does look imminent, although we've heard that um, plenty of times with different players, but there's obviously clearly you know high-level talks are going on and it look, does look pretty close and they're just sorting out the, the finer stages of the, of the Mkhitaryan part of it, I think, by the sounds of it. Sanchez has agreed to all the terms for for moving and it's just a case of the, the the closing out the deal but that could drag on I think by the sounds of it, it could well drag on the next few days and like you say with Raiola involved it, he's going to make sure he gets the best deal a for his client and certainly for him as well he'll end up he won't be short in terms of um, cash from the deal so he's going to make sure he gets his his money from from Arsenal United whoever he's who, who you know going to pay him he's going to make sure he gets his money so yeah it does look inevitable now the deal will go through because obviously City sort of dropped out rather conveniently they've got a you know obviously a moral compass finally that um, money is too much which is um, yeah rather stunning but um, well it took a decade yeah and I think the Chelsea sort of leak of being interested was a complete sort of smokescreen for for trying to drive up maybe the price or just spook United into paying more so I don't think there's anything in that at all so it's it's clear that Sanchez can't stay at Arsenal so with us the only club in the running as as far as things um, stand at the moment it's yeah just looking like it's going to go through hopefully be nice by the weekend so that we could play against um, Burnley I think we play on Saturday afternoon so that would be good mm-hmm. but otherwise you know as long as it's before January uh, end of January yeah it should be all be all be good and he'll hit the ground running as a a, pro, a proven Premier League player. Mm. And Richard and I did speak about it in the first half of the podcast, but a lot of the talk was essentially, well, we expect City to pip us to it, but it'd still be a really nice signing, if not necessarily essential. Now we're at the stage where City seem to have completely pulled out because they just don't think that they're willing to go in for this deal because they feel it's excessive. And we are essentially the front runners. And now we're just waiting for the confirmation, essentially, which I'm still... I've, I am literally touching wood as I say that because I'm still not sure. We've been burned too many times. Yeah. It's it's just such a surprise, you know. In a sense, if you think about it, it shouldn't really be that surprising. United should be in the top talent, and this is exactly the kind of player that can turn our fortunes in big games. And that's something that we've lacked over the last few years: is people who will step up and provide moments when we need them, when <clears throat> our backs are against the wall. And Sanchez can do that constantly. He is an absolute fighter, whilst also being an incredibly skillful player, and he's strong. And you see that 
All you have to look at are these many, many defeats that Arsenal have had over the last few years. There's so many setbacks. And the way that he reacts to them is noticeable. You know, one that was pointed out again today was his reaction when Giroud was, you know, flapping his legs about having scored the equaliser against Bournemouth last season when it was, what, 3-3? And the way he reacted was, no, let's go get a fourth while some of his colleagues were celebrating the third goal. That's what he's like. And that could suit Mourinho very, very well or very badly because they're both quite significantly big presences. So that'll be an interesting element. But it's got me excited. It was initially the worst sort of transfer story ever in the sense that it was just sickeningly plausible. It felt like it could happen, which is what I didn't like about it. But with City now no longer involved, hopefully United stitch this up over the next couple of days and maybe Mkhitaryan goes, maybe he stays, who knows. But there's no denying that United will be getting an absolutely top draw player in Alexis Sanchez, even at this stage of his career, surely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the guy is a winner. You know, as you've said, he you can see it hurts him that Arsenal have been so poor. You haven't looked like winning a trophy of any great note. And he'll bring that to the Old Trafford dressing room, I think. And he'll go down with Mourinho really well. I think he's sort of Mourinho's type of player. He'll sort of go through a brick wall for him and get him motivated, which is clearly he hasn't been motivated at Arsenal for at least sort of six months, probably a year, knowing that they're not going to win any of the big prizes. And I think this will reinvigorate him. He hasn't got the World Cup coming up, which could could have been a, a bit of a struggle for, for next season because it would have taken a lot out of him. He's got a clear year, I think, for the, or clear pre-season for the first time in in years, I think. So looking ahead to next season, that's a really great sign, especially given he's sort of 29, 30. So that's really good. But as you say, he'll hit the ground running and that's, that is so important, especially in, in January. There's no worries about, can he adapt to the Premier League? Is he going to settle? All this sort of thing. Fair enough, he's got to settle in. He's got to move from London to Manchester and you worry about where he's going to, how his dogs are going to settle in because I think that sounds to be the the most important part of his of his life by the sounds of it. But yeah. as long, as, I mean, long if as he's he... moving to Cheshire, I think he'll do pretty well around there. To be honest, exactly, he might find some nice walks and and that sort of thing. So he'll settle in um, pretty quickly. And you just yeah, you feel he'll be quite important in the dressing room in terms of his his sort of mentality. And I think he'll like I say show his true colours in the second half of the season. And just yeah, I'm. You know, I shouldn't be as giddy as I am being the age I am, but certain things, you know, a big a big name signing from a a, a rival or a, or a so-called rival, just yeah, it just sort of reinvigorates the the sort of thoughts of of what's going to happen in the coming season and um, yeah, next few months should be really exciting and being a um, eligible for Champions League is a bonus as well because you'd expect that he wouldn't have been because Arsenal usually are in the Champions League, but. Um, yeah, real bonus that he can play in all the competitions. Not he's not cup tied for the FA Cup. I know that's a minor competition, but we're you know I think that's something we'll still go for because we're not going to win the league clearly. And Champions League is looking a, a massive outsider. But yeah, just just really exciting. And I've, you know I've got a, a fair feeling that um, maybe Ozil will be joining in the in the summer as well, which that would be a real one. In. <laughs> yeah, I think Wenger might sort of self combust if if that happens. But they've got no one to blame but themselves. So. Yeah, just really exciting times and good to see how he's going to link up. I think he'll really enjoy, you know, just the impetus of a new of a new challenge for him. And I, I think you'll see him back to his sort of early Arsenal form and really motivated to, to show what he's capable of. Absolutely. And I don't think he'd be making the move if he wasn't motivated to do his absolute best elsewhere. And as you mentioned there, 
one of the key elements is that he's a proven Premier League player. You know, it's a very, very high quality. He's one of the few players from other teams where you would say, yes, I absolutely would have that player in this position and put him straight into the United side, almost regardless of who it pushes out. And, you know, you think about the fact that he's going to be getting the number seven jersey and you think about Mkhitaryan as well in the element that he'll most likely be going the opposite direction in theory. You think about the other players that have arrived at the club over the last few years in terms of, you know, this, you know, somewhat exciting attacking presences on the flanks. So you think about Shinji Kagawa, Memphis Depay, Angel Di Maria, so many other players we've seen over the last sort of four, five, six years who have come to the club with something of a reputation who was just absolutely floundered with Sanchez. That just doesn't feel possible to a certain extent. I'm setting myself up for a most gigantic fall here in about a year's time. We're all lamenting how terrible he is because he can't stay fit. But you know what I mean? It's got to that point with with Sanchez where you trust that he's going to be able to perform at United because we know what he can do. And that's great. And in a system where he's got great high quality attackers around him and with the axis of, you know, maybe... Pogba, Matic and Herrera behind him you expect him to do great things it's set up for him to do really really well at United and it's a really exciting signing as you said and you know maybe it hasn't happened before Burnley but at this stage United seem to have played this particularly well I'm impressed by the the chutzpah to go for it to begin with and to seal it to bring a player that clearly wants to be away from Arsenal and has other options for sure you know if he really was desperate to go to City then he could potentially wait well, almost for the summer for them to come back in again if he was really that desperate. But he's not. He's chosen to take this decision. And that's something that I think should put him in really good stead with the fans. And it's something that, you know, really should foster some confidence in what he can do in the club. You know, he's chosen to come to United. It's not just purely a money-making move. I'm not naive to suggest that's, you know, completely a superfluous element of the whole deal. It's so encouraging to see that we are still a big draw even though we do realize at this stage that City are at this stage considering where they sit at the top of the league perhaps the biggest in the country but that you know, there's just no getting around it what an incredibly exciting signing anyway yeah, James absolutely. let's have a quick score prediction for uh, Saturday against Burnley Burnley I think they're not in the best of form are they so um, I think it'll be it's usually pretty hard to to win there but I think way we're playing I think we'll probably go with our the three in midfield and it'll be should be comfortable sort of 2-0 win something like that that'd be nice I mean last time we uh, debuted a new number seven against Burnley that was Angel Di Maria uh, what three seasons ago and we drew 0-0 so let's hope it's better than that anyway <laughs> anyway James thanks very much for your presence this evening uh, where can the people find you on Twitter uh, it is uh, written off underscore M-U-F-C Thank you very much. Thanks for your presence this evening, dude. It's been an absolute pleasure. Guys, don't forget, you can also get me, if you, if you appreciate it, of course, if you want to, you can get me at you and Lennon, so you can get the pod at Ad Red Voices MUSC. Have yourselves a superb week. We'll be back at some point soon. Good night. Good night.